everyone. Welcome to a Proven Innocent podcast. My name is Kaylee. I'm Audrey. And I'm Jenna. And this is Taylor. This is our second episode, and we are going to be discussing three sources that suggest some counterarguments for our research question. Our research question is, how can Washington State ensure that each defendant is innocent until proven guilty? There are lots of reasons why each defendant arrested should automatically be considered innocent until proven guilty in court, but it does not seem like law enforcement, judges, and other people within the criminal justice system act like the defendants are innocent. Yes, like we discussed in our last episode, the people in power use restraints like handcuffs, shields, and the glass cages in court to make it seem like the suspect is already guilty. Even though they might not Even though they might do this so they're not in danger, it still makes it seem like the person is already guilty. I agree. When people go to court, a lot of the time, they're just proven guilty even if they are innocent. They are forced to take plea deals because it makes it much easier and they don't have to pay bail. And the media portrays the defendants as guilty a lot of the time as well. Even though the presumption of innocence law states otherwise, they should be considered innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and when you read the newspapers and watch crime videos, they have to make sure that, like, at the end, they have to make sure they say suspects are not guilty until proven so in court. A real-life example about a person being considered guilty right away without the chance to be considered innocent is the case of Tyrone Tomlin. Tomlin was on a corner store or on a corner by a store with some friends. The police showed up, and he went soda. The clerk handed him a straw, too, and he went back outside. The police immediately arrested Tomlin, and they said it was for drug paraphernalia, even though there was nothing in the straw. He had a bad history of crime, but was only trying to get better. This is an example of how law enforcement and people in order of the criminal justice system do not use the law of presumption of innocence. They just assumed he was guilty right away. Yeah, and now we're going to talk about three sources that discuss the opposing side of our argument. They show some of the reasons for having the suspect be shown guilty until proven innocent. The first source we're going to discuss talks about the burden of proof and whether or not defendant should be considered guilty until they prove themselves to be innocent. The presumption of innocence is a super important part for the outcome of a criminal trial. But it doesn't always seem like it is used very much. You see everything on the media, and it showcases the defendant is usually almost always guilty. I know, and that's why we want to try and ensure that everyone is considered innocent until proven guilty in Washington State so that all the trials are fair. The first article talks about what it can be like in court when suspects are said to be guilty until innocent. It talks about ways that it can be better. How can it be better for people to be considered guilty? Wouldn't that lead everyone arrested to being punished? Because personally, I think it would be a lot harder to prove your innocence rather than prove that you are guilty. I know. The article shares the legal term for the burden of proof. This term means which side has to prove their case to be correct in court. Innocent until guilty means that the prosecution must show their evidence that the defendant is guilty. Not enough evidence mean that means that they're still innocent. 
but when defendants are considered guilty until as this source says the defendant's side has to prove that they're innocent and not guilty so that means they have to get some type of proof they're innocent exactly this method is basically the opposite of innocent until proven guilty some places use the term um, innocent until guilty, like here in the United States, but countries such as North Korea, China, Myanmar, and Japan assume those accused of committing crimes are guilty right away until they prove themselves to be innocent. They have to prove their innocence in order to be released. In this case, the article shows both sides of which who has the burden of proof. Right now, America has a lot of presumption of innocence but they don't necessarily follow that law very well. It almost seems like they assume suspects to be guilty from the start, even though the law says that they should be considered innocent. So the question is, which is better? Should we use innocent until proven guilty, or is guilty until proven innocent better? I still think we should consider all defendants to be innocent. It's a lot better to have the burden of proof on the prosecution. If the person really is guilty, then the prosecution should easily be able to give evidence for that and convict them beyond reasonable doubt. On the other hand, though, having a person in their defense team prove their innocence is a good way to do it because then that person is truly innocent if they can show it and give proof with evidence. Yes, but the prosecution team should be able to prove that the suspect is guilty if they actually are, especially considering that they were already arrested in the first place. They had to have been doing something wrong. But we are trying to ensure that each suspect has the ability to be considered innocent. In today's time, many defendants are considered guilty right away, and they don't even have the chance to be seen as innocent. But the law of presumption of innocence says that each suspect should be considered innocent. And we need to find ways that can ensure this, and fair ways to make sure each person arrested gets a chance to talk to an attorney and gets a fair trial. Thank you, Kaylee. That was a lot of great information. Seeing both sides of the argument really gives some insight on this controversy. It is unfortunate so many people don't have the chance to show their innocence. Now we're going to go to Jenna to discuss the story of a young boy who was wrongfully accused. Thank you, Audrey. The second source that I'm going to introduce is from an article that shares a heartbreaking story about a 16-year-old boy who was accused and convicted of multiple life sentences when a fire broke out at a Tucson hotel many years ago. Louis Taylor spent 42 years in an Arizona prison for a crime he did not commit. After a fire had broken out, Taylor was seen escorting hotel guests to safety and assisting people on stretchers. Instead of being seen as a young hero, he was automatically assumed to be the cause of the fire simply because he was a young black man at a fancy Tucson hotel. Forensic evidence suggested that faulty electrical wiring was the cause of the accident, but instead the police, bystanders, and the court system blamed Taylor. After 42 whole years of this innocent man being locked behind bars, the Arizona Justice Justice Project took up the case and gathered research from the National Academy of Sciences to prove that there was no evidence of arson during that fire. Let that sink in for a moment. This man spent 42 years in prison 
because he did not get a chance to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. That is terrible. And not only did it affect Louis Taylor himself, it affected everyone around him. His family, his friends, and practically his whole youth and teenage years were ruined because of this. I agree. Unfortunately, Louis Taylor is not the only person who has done time in prison for a crime that was not actually committed by them. Hey, Jenna, what is one thing that you believe could have prevented this from happening to Louis? I truly believe that if this man was given the benefit of the doubt and given the opportunity to be presumed innocent until he was proven guilty, he would not have suffered behind bars for 42 years. The justice system failed Louis Taylor miserably. If they would have waited for a fair trial before treating him like he was an arsonist, they would have seen the evidence that shows it was a faulty electrical wire that started the fire, not a 16-year-old boy who was simply trying to have a good night. The idea of being guilty until proven innocent does not make sense because it doesn't allow defendants to have a chance to prove their innocence before treating them like a criminal. Unfortunately, cases like this happen more often than one would think, and I believe that everyone deserves a chance to prove their innocence before being treated like they're guilty of horrible crimes like these. That's such a sad story. He was so young, too. After discussing sources one and two, we can see how important it is to make sure that we do not assume a defendant is guilty right off the bat. If we do, we will just continue to hear heart-wrenching stories of people who serve time for no reason. This not only affects the one in jail, but also their families. And not only that, but these effects last for a lifetime, not just the time being. Now, this brings us to source three. We are going to talk and discuss our final source with Taylor. Thanks. Lastly, what I wanted to talk, take a look at was the angle of how a case is treated when the defense argues that the defendant is insane or mentally unfit to stand trial for whatever crime it is they are accused of. This can play into how even though someone may have clearly committed act, the acts accused of them, they may not have the mental capacity to understand the consequences of those actions, thus making it nearly impossible to give a sentence that conveys a sense of sense of justice. In the eyes of those that are victims of a defendant claiming insanity, this trial process may seem like another victimization, knowing fully that someone did something that was wrong and that they might have the potential to seemingly get away with it can be a hard pill to swallow. One of the first examples of an insanity plea being accepted by a court is the case of Richard Lawrence who was acquitted in 1835 after attempting to assassinate then-President Andrew Jackson. He was acquitted by reason of insanity after only five minutes of deliberation and would go on to spend the rest of his life in an asylum. Although this example shows an acquittal in the court of law, the defendant was basically sentenced to life in prison via an asylum. So whichever path of proper justice someone would expect, the end result was fairly similar. Another example of the insanity defense being used successfully is John Hinckley, who in 1981 shot three people, including then-President Ronald Reagan. He was acquitted of these actions in 1892 by reason of insanity. This led to a large public outcry over the use of such defense, which in turn led to many states to change their laws, including Congress passing the Insanity Defense Reform Act which greatly tightened the federal, federal standards surrounding its use in a court of law.
I feel that this ties directly into being innocent until proven guilty, as how can we have a system that relegates punishment for actions that could conceivably be perceived as not wrong? Taylor, do we provide the accused with sufficient information for them to understand that whatever action they're accused of was wrong after the fact? Or do we simply accept that certain actions are wrong regardless of a pre-existing understanding that a victim was wronged and there must be recourse for that? Yeah, and how can we label someone guilty of a crime that they did not understand or didn't even have the mental capacity to realize that they were wrong in the first place? These questions, I believe, are very important in having a thoughtful and robust justice system that works for everyone, victims as well as the accused. Wow, thanks, Taylor. There was a lot of good information you shared with us. All three sources that were discussed provided good counter-arguments to our research question. Each one brought so many different angles and sides to this argument. It is important that we take a step back and truly think for ourselves when it comes to the topic of wrongful convictions. How many more are we going to let slide? I know. It's crazy to think about all the wrongful convictions that are made all the time and all of the innocent people that are stuck in jail. Going back to the case about Tomlin, he was put into jail for a drug paraphernalia, but never even got the chance to prove them wrong. A while later, the straw was finally tested, and they found out he was actually innocent. But not after Tomlin tried and tried to get his way out. Tomlin also got beat in jail for not getting off the phone when another prisoner told him to. Cases like these are unbelievable, and it's crazy how many go by. If they just assumed Tomlin was innocent in the first place and tested the straw, it would have made things a lot easier and Tomlin would have gotten back years of his life. We need to find ways to ensure that the suspect gets treated as innocent until they have a fair trial that proves him guilty. All suspects should be able to talk to an attorney too. resources we talked about today discuss some of the counter-arguments to our research question. But we need to find ways to ensure that each suspect in Washington State is considered innocent until they're actually proven guilty in court. Thank you for listening in on this episode of our Innocent Proven Innocence podcast. See you guys next time with our last episode talking about the importance of ensuring that each defendant is considered innocent until proven guilty. Bye. 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 Bye.